Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagno. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. I'm exhausted, James. Exhausted. It's... You should be. Was it a big 4th of July? <laughs> still, after a week, you're still kind of... Well, something else happened this week. Oh. A little little conference that we were at. Oh, what's that? What happened? Um, well, the Xamarin Developer Summit happened. Yeah. It's happening right now, actually. Yeah. If you're listening to this on Friday, it's like we're at the conference it's recording like, the podcast. Right. Well, it's kind of over for me because I gave my talk on Thursday. So it's like, that's the most stressful part of it. So I feel pretty good about it now. It's just mingling with, every, with all the attendees, networking, just having a lot of fun. But yesterday, we also announced the most biggest news of ever in the Xamarin world. We did? Or was it? <laughs> I didn't because I we had a keynote. It was myself. Uh, Maddie was there. David was there. What did we announce? I don't even know. This crazy, crazy thing called Hot Reload. Ooh, XAML Hot Reload. That's right, mm -hmm. for Xamarin Forms. That's right, for Xamarin Forms. Now, I was petitioning the entire time that Hot would have an exclamation point right after it, so it would have to be Hot Reload, but kind of got overruled there. Actually, I'd never even mentioned it, so I probably should have. So maybe after this, it will be. But Hot Reload, though, is the greatest thing ever, as far as I'm concerned. I've been using it now for, we had the internal preview of it, so we could dog food it for a little bit. And um, essentially, as you deploy your app, to a device, to the simulator, to the emulator, make changes to your XAML, and they magically appear. Yeah, on device, just on as, simulator, just as you would hope, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you would as you would expect. I mean, so your inner dev loop now has changed from seconds to milliseconds. Yeah, it's super duper nice, and you're right. The thing about the XAML hot reload that's so different than you know, there's a lot of different community, cool, amazing packages out there. And like, we super love the community building all these unique things that do unique things in their own right, you know, uh, all different tools that are out there. But the, the XAML Hot Reload is going to be part of Visual Studio. It's already just going to be bundled in and it works over the debug bridge. So there's no other networking. There's no code modifications that you need. There's no NuGet packages. You just hit debug and you're hot reloading. It's there. It, you're hot reloading. <laughs> and one of the things I really like about it is that it's resilient. I forget the, the term that we're using for it. Rude. Rude. It, it lets you do rude edits. Mm -hmm. So you can um, type in mistypes. Like you type in stack layout incorrectly, misspell it. It's not going to bomb your app out. Yeah. It's just going to resiliently just keep on working and um, till you fix it, till you fix your, your typo in your code and away you go again. So it's it's resilient, it doesn't bomb your app, and it just keeps on working. That's a cool, cool feature as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and it does those little squigglies too. So it's going to tell you that you spelled stack layout incorrect or red or this resource doesn't exist. And this works across uh, your entire application. So I was working on an application. I was uh, refactoring the styles of my like buttons and labels, putting those in the app resources, making modifications there. I'd hit save. It automatically uploads and, and everything is working, adding new styles. So these are things that didn't even exist uh, in it. And, you're, and it's nice, like you said, that you just make edits, you hit save, and it's there. It's there. It's hot. It's hot. super hot. Yeah, and it works with uh, any third-party library, any package. If you're using MVVM, all your state is maintained. Uh, it works on Visual Studio 2019 and Visual Studio 2019 for Mac. For Mac. Yeah. That's where I've been using it, and it works perfectly with the Mac. And you mentioned real quickly is um, it maintains state. 
mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Now, it's not publicly available just yet. We announced that we have a private preview. Everyone here at Dev Summit uh, is getting like priority first first dibs on it. But sign up for the private preview. We'll be rolling it out uh, as time goes on. But it's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Very, very excited for it. Now, I was also on stage and I got to talk about some of the really cool things that we're doing in the world of Android and just kind of the native bits and pieces that we're putting together. So the first thing are some things that are available almost today. 16.2, I think Preview 4 is out, I want to say. But there are two new features that people have been really dying for. And the first is Jetpack slash Android X support. So do you know about Android X and Jetpacks? Fill me in on Android X and Jetpacks as I do not know about those. Yeah, they're kind of one in the same thing. Um, Jetpacks, they, they, there's also like Android components and things. Uh, well, what Google did is they said, we have all these Android support libraries, and we want to be able to rev on them more easily. So instead of having just 10 packages, they have like 100 packages, all doing different things, doing different smaller bits and pieces, and they all have different version numbers, and they're no longer tied to a release of Android or Compat libraries, things like that. So your card view is a separate package from your recycler view, different from just very small little segments. So um, you have all sorts of them. And obviously, like the team is working really hard on not only binding them, but building tooling in. Because you could imagine with Android support libraries, you might have an app that has dependencies like Facebook that hasn't migrated to Android X, new NuGet libraries. And how is that going to work? How do you have both your old support libraries and your new Android X libraries uh, uh, in it? So the team, uh, the development team, we had uh, John Dick on um, two, a month and a half ago on the .NET community stand-up talking about how the team did this. But what they end up doing is you add this sort of magical migration package, and it will alert you and say, hey, here's all the libraries you're using from the old support. Here's all the new Android X ones you need to install. So it tell it would guide you through the migration process. <laughs> and then also, if you're using dependencies um, that require an- they require older support libraries, they basically, at compile time, um, forward the new Android X libraries to the old versions. So, for instance, if you're using an app v7 app compat for Xamarin Forms, but you install the Android X version, you'll have both NuGets installed, and it definitely says app v7 support. But when you're at runtime and you go over the watch window, it will say Android X. Like they forward all the things oh. for you automatically. So. This way, for the time being, until people migrate all their libraries and NuGet packages to Android X, all your stuff will continue to work. Oh, that's that's nice. So Android X has nothing to do with Android P or Android Q. It's Android like Express or something like that. <laughs> Android X, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very confusing name mm-hmm. uh, in general. So that's out there. Okay. Other big things that happened, um, um, we have this new mode that's available to all Xamarin developers, no matter if you're in community, pro, or enterprise, called Startup Tracing. Okay. So I'm sure you're aware on iOS, we do a full ahead-of-time compilation. Yep. Uh, Well, we do have like AOT on Android. It's an enterprise feature. But AOT, you know, requires a longer compilation. It also um, can definitely increase or, you know, decrease your startup performance, things like that. But it also can create really big apps. Mm -hmm. because you're AOTing all your code and there's app size limits on Android of 100 megs. So a lot of people have used that in our enterprise tier. There's that. But um, startup tracing is something different. It's sort of, um, it's 
it has to do with AOT, but not at the same time. So startup tracing is a new mode, like I said, available to all Xamarin developers, available in 16.2 of Visual Studio 2019. It's a checkbox. You check a checkbox. And what the teams have done is they sort of pre-profiled Android applications with and without Xamarin Forms. And then when you compile, it basically puts it into the special you know, JIT hybrid-ish magical mode that says, hey, I know and I've optimized all of the bits that you need to start your application running. So what this does, instead of like a cold boot, it's like a hot boot, right? This is how I'm going to put it in my mind. Right, right. So normally when you boot, you have to JIT everything, load up the assemblies. Like this is like, hey, we know all of your dependencies that you're going to need. So that means on like a file new Xamarin Forms app um, with all the dependencies, all the support packages, the startup time, like on an Android emulator that we were running, went from three seconds down to 1.5. That's twice as fast. With or a, half as fast. Half as fast. So with a checkbox. And then it only really increases the app size by a few megs instead of like 10 to 20, 30 megs with like a full AOT process. Mm-hmm. So it's super duper cool. Everyone should give startup tracing uh, a try. Uh, to me, it's a default option. I think maybe the default in- inside of there, um, or maybe that'll come down the road, but it's super awesome. And then the last thing kind of adds on to all this. You have libraries, you're optimizing your runtime, then you're packaging up your application. And um, uh, Google introduced Android app bundles, uh, which allows you to kind of compile your app and give it to Google. And then they break your app and do a bunch of little pack, you know, self-contained packages on the fly. So if I have a device that's running x86 and you're on ARM64 and I'm on an older ARM device and I'm in French and you're in English, you submit your fat package, if you will, your mega package um, to Google, and they on-demand create an APK specific to a user's device. Oh. Yeah. So instead of you having to figure out everything, they just do it all for you. And now that's going to be supported in Visual Studio 2019 16.3 or 8.3 okay. on the Mac, you know, the, okay. the version numbers. You just mm-hmm. divide it by two. Right. For Mac. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that's, just, that's a lot of Android stuff, but stuff that developers have been, um, you know, listening to developers, giving feedback. I think it's cool to see like the, not only the runtime, but the packaging of the applications, of course, go there too. Well, so that's a lot of amazing updates that have come out for Android. And a lot of, a lot of the inner dev loop stuff to make it a lot of faster, but we also have iOS 13 preview support and... I'm not sure. We have all these new Android updates, but are any of them as cool as the dark mode support in iOS 13? I don't know. I don't think they are. No, I think, <laughs> or, you know, sign in with Apple. Just Right, like, right. So, James, are you one that actually goes out and puts these latest and greatest preview bits on your machines? Uh, I used to be. Uh, I usually have a, I have two Macs. I have one dedicated to beta summers, as um, I, we like to call them. And that means you're going to be updating to the latest Catalina and the latest Xcode and all that stuff. If you're on latest edge, you can get it. Um, I you know, had the conference upcoming, so I didn't want to do anything, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to be, when I had a real job, job, as I like to think about it, I used to get paid to create apps for customers. I would have to look forward to and do that. Now I don't go there so much anymore just because, one, I got rid of my machine that I put the stuff on, the latest and greatest preview bits, 
And so I don't want to ruin my main <laughs> development machine. However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. And we have the ability to go and do it. So um, we have a great blog post out there, which I will link to in the show notes, where our good friend Pierce goes over and how to do it, actually how to even install everything as well. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to use dark mode and iPad OS, which really is a part of iOS 13, but it's different, um, go ahead and do it. It's it looks great. It looks a lot of fun, and you know, get a head start and make sure all your apps work for it before you um, before it's too late. Before yeah. it actually comes out to September, and it's not too bad to go through the process. You know, I think anyone, especially even me, I have like always a separate like kind of like separate machine to do it. That way, I don't mess up my main environment. But even here on my Surface Book, I have Visual Studio 2017. I have um, 16.1, 16.2, and then I also have our internal like. Mm-hmm. dog food beta so i literally have four versions of visual studio on this machine uh which is kind of crazy the thing with the mac is you need an uh, os upgrade right that's a little bit more right but what's new in the essentials world james anything uh any new operating systems yeah supported so, so you know obviously ios 13 is coming out this includes ipad os it also includes watch os and tv os new versions too and in the world of xamarin essentials we released 1.2 which added a bunch of new capabilities to do file sharing, email attachments, and launching of files. So if you had a PDF, you could say, open this PDF, and it would open in the PDF viewer, which is something that people have wanted for a long time. Also included tons of great community contributions and bug fixes and feedback things that we've iterated on. But we heard some feedback that, hey, you know, I'm building, yes, an iOS app for my iPad or for my phone, but I also might have a TV app or a watch app, and it'd be nice to use some of these APIs. So officially now, Xamarin Essentials version 1.3 beta supports watchOS and tvOS. Nice. Now, how is it going to work for some of the APIs that aren't there? Great question. So we call these platforms limited API platform support. So in our wiki page, we have platform support, and it'll tell you if it's officially stable supported, if it's a beta, if it's community supported or by another company, uh, or if it's a supported but limited API surface. And that's what it is. You're right. WatchOS and tvOS, they support maybe half half or so of the APIs that are available. In there, the biggest ones people would want to use are probably secure storage and preferences because you can use... Um, group names and share preferences between your watchOS app and your t- your you know um, I- iOS application. So those are the bigger ones that are in there. But a lot of the sensors, those all work on the watch, not on the TV, obviously, because there's no sensors in the TV. But um, what will happen is if you try to use that API on a TV, it'll say platform not supported. Mm, okay. Yep. But there was yet another platform that we supported. <laughs> so uh, this one was kind of a long time coming. Because uh, the team over at Samsung has worked really, really hard, not only with the Xamarin Forms team, to bring Tizen uh, support to Xamarin Forms. Uh, Tizen is Samsung's operating system that runs on TVs, phones, and watches. But the team over at Samsung put an amazing pull request in that we reviewed and went back and forth with and we collaborated on deeply to add Tizen support to Xamarin Essentials. And that's also available inside of 1.3. So now Xamarin Xamarin Essentials supports iOS, Android, UWP, Tizen, watchOS, and tvOS. It's amazing. 
So is there any talk about getting Tizen on a refrigerator? So that's what I want to do. I want to create a Xamarin Forms that to run on a refrigerator. I think it might. That'd be awesome. I'm not sure if it does, but I need to ask the team. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to know where the secure storage is on the refrigerator. If I can use essentials for that, perfect. Yeah. That would be pretty great. That would be pretty great. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other news. So definitely you can um, tune in. We're live streaming the Xamarin Dev Summit. So day one is over. So you can go rewatch all this glory on the mm-hmm. Xamarin Developers YouTube. We'll put a link in the show notes. And day two is going on, obviously, uh, right now. And those will be available those day one, day two. But next week and the week after, we'll be rolling out those videos on YouTube. So you can check them out there. Sweet. And just one thing I want to mention about Essentials before we get too far. My good friend Brandon Minnick and I, we're going to do a talk about Xamarin Essentials here. However, it got, I don't want to say a scrap, but we just couldn't fit it in. And what was cool is that just going through, it was going to be all the essentials you need, all these Xamarin Essentials essentials you needed to know in 60 minutes or less. And we were going to go through each one of the Xamarin Essentials APIs. And there were some in there that I didn't even know existed. So it's just I mean, cool to actually go through and read about all of them just to find out which ones are there. You might be using something, could use an Essentials. Why reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah. So I don't know, just kind of a public service announcement. Just go through, read what, what Essentials are out there. So yeah. let James do the work for you. Why <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Why not, reinvent the wheel? <laughs> it's not me. It's the amazing developers, John Digg, Matthew, Dave, all those other great developers and the community members that contribute. It's not me. I just... I just uh, I just talk about it a lot. So uh, we did have a bunch of other great news, though, um, before the Dev Summit that occurred. So uh, our good friend John Douglas did a great blog post about the new support for automatic Android SDK management. Who likes downloading and managing SDKs? It's one of the most confusing things with Android development between the SDKs and some of the emulator stuff. I mean, it's the onboarding process is just a little bit confusing with that. So yeah, so we do it all for you. Perfect. <laughs> well, we, we already had a new Android SDK manager on Windows and PC. And, you know, that was great because you could go in and download things. We'd give you the specified Microsoft feed. Uh, so it was things that we supported. But you're right. There's build tools, platform tools, SDK tools, emulator tools, Hyper-V stuff, uh, x86 stuff, just all sorts of stuff. So now when you go and open a project uh, or an older project or a newer project and you don't have something installed, it will install it for you. If you go and you want to upgrade an older project, this is something happens all the time to me. I have an older GitHub project. It's targeting, you know, 7.0 and I want to move it to 9, but maybe this machine doesn't have 9. You literally go in, select that, and boom, it'll install everything for you that you possibly need and keep you up to date. Nice. So, I mean, in addition to having the automatic Android SDK management to help us out, Another thing that's really great as a developer is having IntelliSense, mm-hmm. right? I always make a joke that if it wasn't for a Google Stack Overflow and IntelliSense, I wouldn't be able to develop anything. And now with the latest and greatest Visual Studio for Mac, we have even better XAML IntelliSense with it. And so what's really cool about this is that the um, IntelliSense experience now with VS Mac is driven with the same engine that does the WPF and UWP uh, IntelliSense over on Windows. So you're going to get more of the same experience as you would on either platform. And so some of the neat features that we have in there now is uh, matching. So when you start typing in, and if you do something like a SL, like a camel case matching, it's going to say, hey, stack layout for you. Or, you know, like fuzzy matching. So if you fat finger something and you're trying to type stack layout, it's going to hopefully guess it right. It probably will guess it right for you. 
It's also going to do um, better some light bulb suggestions, like if you miss a namespace import or something like that. Um, it's also going to, if you bind your bind, if you put in your binding context within the XAML, you're going to be able to see your properties as well for it. So that and a lot of other things that we put in there, that's going to make your just your, I'm going to say your development experience more delightful when you're using VS Mac, which the VS Mac is going to be getting way better by leaps and bounds, I think, recently. Yeah, because last week, we or last month, we talked about the new code editor. Two months ago, mm -hmm. we talked about the new code editor. This pairs with that, and that's in version 8.2, which is available in preview today. Yep. Yeah, I love that stuff because I remember when when the support, the newer support in Visual Studio on Windows came out, and like, when do we get it on Mac? And you said it's like the full engine. It's it's like a huge piece of functionality, which means now when we're revving on both, the well, the we the teams are revving on both. Um, what's great about that is that uh, they'll be able to add new features to both. Right. Yeah. Now, I do love Jonathan Peppers, Mr. Jonathan Peppers. He loves to write super deep down, ridiculous, low-level blog posts, which I super <laughs> appreciate. And he put out this one about um, a new feature that's kind of automatically on and, and available in applications running 16.2 uh, uh, preview of Visual Studio 2019 and Visual Studio for Mac 8.2 preview. And it's all about how they've the development team has um, sped up the build process and at the same time created smaller DEX files. Now, if you don't know what DEXs are, this is the kind of um, the, the the final compilation uh, executable that get that gets run um, in your app. And it, it part of that ends up um, using several build tools called AAPT, and now there's AAPT two, um, which under the hood basically just kind of does the, all the final compilation steps. And all the little bits and pieces that you could possibly need. And AAP2 is the Android asset packaging tool. So what the team does is they they investigated every single bit of what goes into a hello world, the you know, the the numbers that are there, and then what are the support libraries that you add on and how many Java and how many DEX files. And what they end up founding is that you um, get a bunch of different Android and Java fields that are created, and what this often launches into is something called multi-dexing, which is that you've hit a, a, re, a, a big point of fields, you need to multi-dex, and now what they're doing is they're able to optimize the dex count, use the latest and greatest tools, um, and go through new library generators and asset generators. And what this has done is brought it down from a default uh, Hello World application from uh, 30,000 field counts for a Hello World application down to uh, just about 17,000, which it may seem like a lot, but it's really not because you're using tons of stuff in, in um, even on a blank application just by booting up uh, an activity, basically, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you have the overhead of an activity in any of the UI that you're putting on there. But this generates 12,000 less fields now. Um, so you can turn this on, you can give access to it, and if you want to really deep dive into it, Check that out and also uh, do a follow-up on it. There's a blog that he links to, which is about shrinking your app size. So not only compiling and making it fall smaller, but how to improve it even more. Yeah, if you're interested at all in this stuff, you have to give his blog post a read. It reads like a murder mystery file and how they go through is like, all right, it's too big. What could be happening? All right, so let's take a look at how Google does it in Android Studio. So, all right, it's open source. So let's take a peek at it. And there's this r.txt file. So let's take a peek at that. It's crazy. And they figure it out and they drop the field count by half, roughly. It's really good, yeah. And the um, startup time, 
or the the field time. It went from three seconds down to twenty milliseconds. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm, yeah, ridiculous. So speaking of crazy and ridiculous, just uh, another public service announcement: migrate those Mac OS apps that we are currently on. Well, 32-bit, you got to go to 64-bit before the uh, Apple says you have to be at 64-bit. So do it before you need to. Um, so right now, if you run it, there'll be a warning that pops up saying, hey, your app is not optimized for this version of macOS. means it's 32-bit. Make it to 64-bit, and um, you'll be happy. Nope. Everybody be happy. So yeah. just PSA, it's coming. Yeah. Do it. Cool. Be happy. Yeah, do it. Just do it. The last thing, uh, we had a great community blog post by Charlene uh, talking about how to support multi-device resolution. So I sort of think of it of how you would on the web handle CSS and different size classes of phone versus you know widescreen, things like that. But she talks about how you're able to do a lot of this um, in, in code and in um, resource dictionaries and sort of look up some of the different screen sizes online and put a little bit of magic in there using Xamarin Essentials to detect the different device sizes. And you can say, if I'm on this height, use this or use this. And what she ends up doing is um, creating different uh, dictionaries that get merged together. So when your app starts up, instead of just loading all of your dictionaries, she'll load a specific smaller device or general device, which is very clever. Instead of loading Mm -hmm. everything, just load the ones that are specific um, and run a little bit of code. So very cool. I like it. Yeah, it was a really neat post. All right. So, James, I can't go a podcast without mentioning my favorite, favorite subject. The cloud. The cloud. Well, in in particular, (laughs) MCEL. So just just because I love saying it, MCEL has revved again. 4.2 4.2 is out, mm. which is crazy. I think when we started, it was still in 2X, and now it's up to 4.2. Um, it's just a point release, and uh, what, what happens there is if you're trying to log in on a silent login and it needs to display the UI because you don't have the um, your refresh tokens expired, there's get a little more information about why so you can handle a little bit better. So just my normal authentication, authorization, PSA during the podcast. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> and another thing with the cloud news, something else I wanted to talk about is um, we've mentioned it several times before in a previous podcast is App Centers creating a mobile backend as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, right now they have released both the data and the authorization, authentication. Uh, they wrap up both the, when I say wrap up, they put a wrapper around Cosmos DB for data and also Azure B2C for the authentication and they went build last year or this year in may they released the initial version which was called 2.0 in nuget they released it to 2.1 they've been fixing bugs they're really responsive on github so give it a shot try it out um see how it works for you like i said they're responsive on github um this is our new mbas solution app center does a great job with their sdks and their apis so give this a shot let us know how it works for you it's your chance to help us design it. So, yeah. Yeah. Latest That's and awesome. greatest cloud news. 2.1 of App Center, 4.2 of MCEL. They multiplied it, it by is it, two. Is it, is it a coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> so the other thing about um, Azure and the cloud news is that last month we started doing a um, Azure Service of the Month. So last time we did Event Grid, which is kind of just a little bit out there, and a lot of people might not use it. So this one I wanted to talk about Azure Cosmos DB. 
And um, so what this is, in a nutshell, is it's a multi-model database. So multi-model, what does that mean? It means you can have... Multiple models. Multi <laughs> multiple models. Yes, that's very astute. It means you can run um, several different APIs mm -hmm. at it. So you have like figure one core database engine underneath. And to get at it, you can be running a document DB or a regular NoSQL database. So you can be running MongoDB, or you can be running Gremlin, or you can be running Cassandra APIs to get at it. So you can run your choice of different APIs to get at this database engine underneath. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about this database engine is, is, is that it's globally distributed, meaning that you can write to one region, let's say self-central US over here in the Dallas region, and then that will instantly, or pretty much as fast as speed of light, write to other regions that you have set up. So if you have something set up in the UK, it'll pretty much almost as speed of light right there, or Australia, or whatnot. That way, if you have users spread across the world, they'll be able to get their data super quick. So that's what's really cool about that. It's also, everything is actually, there's SDKs for it, but everything's based upon REST services as well to get at these things. So Cosmos DB, the, I guess the marketing for it is multi-model, globally, globally distributed. But what that really means is choose your own API to get at it. It's NoSQL. When you write somewhere, it's going to be distributed really quick so your users can read from it very quickly. It's, it's pretty neat. So there you have it. Yep, super cool. I've used Cosmos DB a lot. It's super duper great. Uh, and, and the SDK for .NET developers is, is really easy to use. Yeah. So while you say it's REST-based, there's great SDKs for the different uh, programming language, and the .NET SDK is very elegant, very simple to use. Right. And actually, one thing that we did with the uh, GeoContext app that we uh, put together last year, I think, around the build time, was that uh, we did um, geo, like distances, geo calculations, I guess, mm -hmm. for it is. So let's say that James is located in Seattle, I'm down here in Houston, we'd be able to instantly tell how far apart we are. The API itself has a bunch of geospatial recognition in there as well. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, I love it. I like also that you can like break down one of these different APIs every, every month because there are so many up there, kind of different features of Azure. I have my own favorites, of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, it's really fun. Yeah, kind of I mean, it's just it's hard sometimes to uh, to remember all that stuff, right? And just knowing, like I said, with Xamarin Essentials, just knowing what's out there. You can't use it if you don't know what's out there, and if it fits your bill of what you need to use, perfect. Boom! All right, buddy, it's everyone's favorite time of the pod to pick it a pod, pick of the pod. So, James, what do you have for me today? Ah, for me, yes, yes, yes. So easy peasy. I think last month. We did the pancake view. I'm pretty sure that was Yes, you did. One. Yep. So I'm back once again with another great library by my good friend, Stephen Thewiesen, called Xamarin Forms Debug Rainbows. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Pancake view with rainbows. I'm imagine the rainbows are like sprinkles on top of the pancake yeah. view. Basically, it's pretty great. So, okay. So, you know, when you're building your UI, mm -hmm. you, one of the hardest things to to understand, no matter if you're doing like Android development or iOS or Xamarin Forms, are the layers of how your app is constructed. You know, is it fill? Is it center? Like how much space is this label actually taking? So what most developers do, and I'm guilty of it for the last decade, is I set a background color. Yep. You set a background color, you can see where it is. And in fact, if you're on your Android device, you can turn on like layer views or whatever in the debug settings and it'll show you all the layers 
Um, but it's not really cross-platform, and you got to go do settings. So this package from Steven, you add it in, and it's one line of code, which is debug rainbows equals true. And when you set that, it will, you can add it to the page level or to a top level control, let's say your stack layout or your scroll view. It'll iterate through every single control on the page and set a different random background color for it, which is really cool. That's slick. So <clears throat> what's actually kind of funny is you're exactly right. You just set background colors and make something change the color so you can see mm -hmm. how wide it is, which was a great thing that I was using with hot reload before because it just works right away right yeah and so until i found out about the uh until this package the debug rainbows yeah so anyways yeah so, so now you can use debug rainbows with hot reload which is what i do and i launch my app and i'm like what it's a little bit weird wasn't doing oh turn on debug rainbows oh all right now i'm done turn it off no need to relaunch my application that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool mix that with a little pancake view and Perfect. Yeah. All right, what do you What do you got for me? <laughs> I got by our good friend Martin. Now, media managers. Now, let me give you the story about how I came upon this this library. Is my original talk here at the Dev Summit was going to be about using Azure Media Services, mm. essentially building. And I mentioned this in the last pod, building something like a Twitch Twitch app, but. We had to switch it up at the last minute. Mm. But what I was going to use to stream to and display everything was, was this media manager. And what this media manager library does is it allows us to have native media file playback on device in a nice cross-platform way. So you can play from um, remote HTTP, HTTPS files, or embedded right away on device great way to do um, media playback on device cross-platform wise and it comes from martin it's just a great thing to go check out and we'll put it in the show notes as well yeah awesome well we made it yet another pod we did it we did it that's awesome this is eight or nine in a row something like something that. doesn't matter they yeah. all go so fast a lot more to come <laughs> indeed <laughs> well where can people find us matt well they can find me at codemailmat.com at codemailmat on twitter codemailmat on Get up. Get Probably up. Cool Mail Matt everywhere else. I don't know. Google it. Google it. You can Google James Montemagna. You'll find me on the internet. Where can people find the podcast? People can find the podcast at XamarinPodcast.com or search Xamarin Podcast on your favorite podcast place. iTunes. Overcast. I don't know. Where else do people get podcasts from? <laughs> everywhere. Any, anywhere. Any, go onto your phone right now. Type in podcast and you'll find the podcast app. There it is. And search for Xamarin Podcast and tell all your friends about it. Go into your Slack channel. Go into your Teams channel. Go into your Discord channel. Basically, blast message out and SMS to all of your friends. But hey, go check out this podcast because Zev Summit just happened. There's cool announcements. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next month, I'm James. He's Matt. And thanks for listening.